And I just want to thank you guys for, uh, for welcoming us into your living space. If there are friends kind of hanging out with you, watching this with you, I want to just say hello to the friends and to the fam. Let's pray. Lord, you know exactly what needs to be done in this moment. In the lives of those that are listening in my life as I share So would you move supernaturally and have your way? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me read for you our text for the day. Or rather, recite it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Here's what God says to Joshua in that context. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for I am the Lord your God, and I will be with you wherever you go. On last week, we started to look at chapter 1 as God addressed Joshua, as Joshua was transitioning into the leadership role uh, in terms of leading the people of Israel. And I asked the question, what is it that God has to say to, uh, to, to those of us who are believers in this season of pandemic? And we looked at the first couple of verses last week and we, we, uh, we shared some insight there. Today I'm asking the same question as it relates to verse 5. What is it that God has to say to those of us who would be believers in this difficult season through this verse? First, let me just point out that verse 9 is not the first time that God has said to Joshua in this chapter, be strong and courageous. He starts off verse 6 by saying, be strong and courageous. In the same way, he starts off verse 7 with the words, be strong and courageous. But here, God adds something extra. God says, this is my command. It is as though he's saying that when it comes to being strong and courageous, the way I'm talking about it, God would suggest, there's something that's radically indispensable and essential that you must have in order to be uh, the people that I'm calling you to be in this season. What? in the world could God possibly mean when he's saying be strong and courageous well uh, let me let me just play with it a little bit what if I told you right now that you know God has commanded us to be strong and courageous and so as a result of that I'm inviting everybody to show up here in person on Easter Sunday morning despite what the government says And somehow you tiptoe through the back door on Easter Sunday morning and you actually look in and you see a little over a couple thousand people, which we typically have on Easter, uh, and they're dressed just like this. (laughs) Now, first of all, let me just say, I find this picture to be hilarious. This is their Easter suits. But let me also hasten to say that this is not what God means When he says, be strong and courageous, I command you. No. God is never commanding us to be strong and courageous in ways that are irresponsible. And if I was to issue an invitation like that, I would be irresponsible. Uh, In the words of my grand aunt and uncle, uh, that invitation would be uh, consistent uh, with not so much good sense. That's their words for common sense. So what does God mean? Let's take the word, be strong. I command you, God says, be strong. I want to suggest to you that the essence of being strong 
is really captured in the word resilience. That God is saying to Joshua, look, in order for you to lead these people during this perilous time into the land that I have promised you, you're going to have to be resilient. Listen, in verse 2 he says, I've already given you the land. But then later he makes it clear that while I've given you the land, you're going to have to secure it. Because there's Philistines and Canaanites and Amorites and a variety of strong groups in that land. And that you're going to have to battle for it. And you're going to win some battles. You're going to lose some battles. Joshua, I'm commanding, I'm speaking into your life this notion of being resilient. Now, notice what I did with that. I said, uh, God says, I'm speaking into your life. I don't think that God is just simply giving a directive to Joshua. I command you. I'd rather want to believe that, uh, first of all, I know that this is the same God that steps out in Genesis chapter 1 and he looks at the blank canvas of eternity and he says, let there be light. And that is a command that he gives. Light come forth. And light explodes and the the universe begins uh, to paint the backdrop of eternity as it unfolds. I'd like to believe that, 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 that God is actually speaking into Joshua's life. Uh, 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 I command you to be strong. I'm commanding resilience to come forth in your life. Resilience. I was reading um, in the Wall Street Journal of uh, mid-February an article that was entitled What the Bible Taught Abraham Lincoln About America. And in that article, it points out that Abraham Lincoln, uh, people did not know how religious he was until he became president. And as I read the article, I put my finger, I said, that's it. That's the source of the resilience that he lived out during the bulk of his life. You know, when he was 23 years old, he ran for state office for the very first time and he lost. Two years later, he ran for state office again uh, in Illinois. And he won. Resilience. At 25 years of age, he launched a small store with a partner. The partner died. The store collapsed. But 15 years later, despite that earlier failure, he launches with another partner, a law firm that becomes enormously successful. Resilience. He runs for Congress the first time and he loses two years later. He runs for Congress again and he wins. Resilience. And he's doing all of this while battling with Mental health challenges. He, he was known for clinical depressions ever since he was a kid. He had to struggle to get up day after day after day. And yet, the article points out, uh, kind of unintentionally, I believe, that, that the way he was able to be resilient, to get up again and again, was he realized that his life was tied to a higher purpose. Here's what Abraham Lincoln says on the eve of departing for Washington, D.C. to be inaugurated. The country had already started to slip into civil war, a war that would take hundreds of thousands of American lives. And here's what he says. He says, without the assistance of the divine being, I cannot succeed. With that assistance, I cannot fail. That's the source of his resilience. And I would say to you that the same God that speaks to Joshua 
and says, be strong, be resilient. The same God that kept speaking to Abraham that enabled him to lead a divided nation through a horrendous time uh, because he was resilient, resilient. It's the same God that's speaking to you. I know some of you guys, you're on the front line. You're, you're, you're doctors and nurses and you're uh, various forms of other medical professionals. But you're also people who are working in, in grocery stores and pharmacies and and, and, and you're dealing with people who may uh, be asymptomatic and you're trying to figure out how, how do I keep getting up in the morning? I want you to hear God speak into your life today. Be resilient. Some of you struggling, you got family at home, you got kids, you're trying to figure out how to make it all work. It's stressful, you're claustrophobic. I, I, I want you to hear God speaking into your life right now through this message. Be resilient. Be strong. It's not a directive. I want you to hear God calling it forth. Come forth, resilience, in the life of this person. Some of you are trying to figure out how to, how to look for jobs in a very difficult time. I want you to hear God calling forth. Be resilient. Now, I read something the other day I thought was quite hilarious. The guy said, uh, working from home. Are you kidding? I don't work from work. <laughs> I found that to be hilarious. Now listen, if you're in that group, I'm going to pray that God changes your attitude. But for the rest of us, I'm praying that God will speak into your life. Resilience. Now, let me just take a moment and look at this notion of fear. Because that's also being implied in this message. But before I say a word about fear, let me just say one more thing. Do you know that heaven's language for resilience is resurrection? I once heard somebody say that resurrection is the thing that God does after the worst thing happens. That's truly the case in Jesus' situation, right? I mean, after he's lived a life of 33 years, healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding the hungry living out a just life. He ends up dying on the cross. Theologically, we're, to, we're told that he takes the place, the innocent takes the place of all of us who are guilty and sinners. And he handles the debt of our sin and he dies. That's the worst thing that can happen to Jesus. But on the third day, uh, uh, the stone is rolled away. And Jesus kicks a hole through the wall of death and he comes out and he lives. He's the only person who ever died and came back and who lives today and who invites us to entrust our lives into his hands. And when we talk about the hope of Jesus, that's what we're talking about. Trusting our entire lives into the hand of the one who has, who has secured the victory over death itself. I wish I could tell you like some people would suggest that hope in Jesus means that you, you'll never come down with the coronavirus. I, 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 I can't tell you that because it's just not true. I wish I could tell you that hope in Jesus means that the worst thing won't happen to you, that death won't come knocking at your door or at my door. But I can't tell you that. But I can tell you what I know to be my conviction, what I know to be true. Listen, if you entrust your life into the hands of the one who conquered death itself, when death speaks and writes the final sentence over your life, God will turn the page and have the last word as he writes a new chapter called eternal life. 
death can't stop you. You know, you can draw a straight line between uh, uh, be strong and don't be discouraged. Discouraged, when one is discouraged, it means you're stoppable. You, if I discourage you, I can stop you. But resurrection power, which is what, what God promises to all who would put their trust in Jesus, resurrection power turns you into the unstoppable. That death itself cannot stop you. Whether it's divorce or the collapse of a business, that, that if your trust is in the one who who secured the victory over death itself, you can be assured he will help write a new chapter, a new beginning in the days to come. Let that faith, that hope, be the source of your resilience. And now you ask me, but what about fear? Well, this text deals with fear, doesn't it? Because not only does God say, I command you to be Strong, resilient. God says, I command you to be courageous. Don't be afraid. I want to point out here that oftentimes when people say, don't be afraid, we mean something differently than when God says, don't be afraid. When we say, don't be afraid, what we essentially, oftentimes we mean, don't allow yourself to feel the feelings of fear. That's not what God means. Notice, courage and fear is in the same verse. The fact of the matter is, there is no courage unless I acknowledge the feelings of fear. Don't be afraid. Be courageous, God says. And and I, I just like to believe that as God is talking to some of you now, in the midst of very frightening times, he's speaking fresh courage into your life. If I was about to go down the street and I saw two rock rattler dogs because I've got a little phobia of big, ferocious dogs, I can tell you right now I would stop in the midst of fear. And if you then ask me, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go down the street? I'm going to tell you really quickly, no, I'm not going down that street. I'm going the other way. That's just the way. You can go down the street. I'm going the other way, right? The scripture tells us the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you took God out of that verse, the truth would still hold. Fear is often the beginning of wisdom. I'm going to be wise. I'm not going down that street. But on the other hand, if my two little children was down that street and I saw rock roller dogs, as frightening as it would be, I would rush down that street and do whatever it would take to secure my kids. Well, are you saying, well, PH, does that mean that you would no longer be afraid? No, I'd be scared to death. But I'm more committed to the mission of being a parent than I am committed to surrendering to my feelings of fear. And that is what God is saying to Joshua. There are going to come times when people are going to be dying at your left, at your right. You're going to come up against fortified cities. You're going to say there's no way in the world we can take that without being wiped out. But I want you to consult with me. And if I say go forward, Joshua, I want you to be more committed to the mission than you are to your feelings of fear. And I just want to say to you guys, who are contending with fear, if we put our hope in Jesus, you can afford to be more committed to the mission than to fear. Be courageous. Can I tell you how NBCC is trying to wrestle with this question of what it means to be courageous in this season? You know, this is a difficult time for all kinds of organizations and industries and 
etc. It certainly is a difficult time for churches. I've heard over the course of the last two weeks, all over the country, churches are closing down because, you know, it's kind of simple. People can't go to church. If they don't go to church, uh, oftentimes that means they're not there to give. And if they're not there to give, bills don't get paid. Churches are starting to close down because of this situation. Uh, We're blessed because 70% of our giving happens online. That's not the case for tons of churches. So we've been wrestling with this question here at NBCC. How do we be courageous and how do we help in this season? So we, uh, we realize that if massive unemployment continues to happen, even though 70% of our giving is online and we're in a pretty good f- fiscal strong position, that it could impact our capacity as well. So what do we do in the midst of this frightening time? I'll tell you what we did. First, we made a real assessment of our reserves. And because of your giving, it looks like we're in pretty good shape. We looked at the stream of giving that's coming in at this moment or the last couple of weeks. And we reduced uh, spending internally. We said, these things we're just not going to spend money on. And then we took a step of courage. We set aside $60,000 out of our regular giving to, in a targeted way, to be a blessing to people outside of our church community across the bay that's contending with the consequences of COVID-19. And then we took another $25,000, which is our benevolent fund, and, and we decided to utilize that to help people inside of NBCC who, are, who also have lost their jobs and they're contending with trying to keep a roof over their heads or pay their utility bills, et cetera, et cetera. Here's how we're going to utilize the $60,000 that we've taken a step towards. Number one, we want to be a blessing to the second uh, harvest food program because they're on the front line feeding people all across the bay. Number two, we want to be a blessing to three churches. Uh, We've identified three churches, San Francisco Christian Center in San Francisco, Maranatha in San Jose, and Sancho Cristiano uh, Jerusalem in Gilroy. I have long relationships with the leaderships of the first two churches going back 30 years. I trust them. I know them. And one of our staff members has a decade relationship with the third church. And you say, well, why are you guys choosing to put money in churches? Because when this whole thing is over, and it is going to come to an end, if history is any guide, the government will provide relief as it ought for a variety of industries, auto, banking, etc. But there will be no relief for churches. And there will be tons of churches who won't even make it there. They will close their doors in the process. So we've identified these three churches, and over the course of the next several months, we're going to walk alongside of them, and we're going to try to help them to keep their doors open and their staff in place. Uh, the average attendance is about 150 people. They, they have less than 10% of their community online giving. They have limited technological capacity to do what we're doing here today. Uh, and, and a large percentage of their congregation are among the first to be laid off in this big job crunch. So we're going to walk alongside of them and try to do our part to make a difference. And then, as it relates to the $25,000, we know that we've got people internally at NBCC who's been impacted, and we know that this fund is too small, given the the breadth and length of our church. Nevertheless, we're going to start here, and we're going to help as many people as we can. And if you're in need right now, make sure you just call or reach out to our staff. We want to start helping you right now. This is the time to be courageous. And God calls us to be courageous together. And so I just want to say to those of you who are part of our regular giving community, if you're able, keep giving. 
And if you're able, give a little bit more. Also, if you want to be a part of helping and blessing those who are in NBCC that's struggling with housing and other issues around uh, this time, then give directly to our benevolent fund. This $85,000 commitment is our step of courage in a time of need. Now, here's what I want to end. I just want to believe that God is speaking to some people right now. I think he's speaking to you. And this notion about uh, I command you is really God speaking into your life. I want you to get this. God is speaking into your life. Be resilient. God is speaking into your life. Be courageous. I'm praying that when you wake up in the morning, uh, you, you're going to wake up and say, my gosh, I can do this thing. Right? But I want you to carry this last thought with you. He says, I'm the Lord, your God. Basically, what he's saying to Joshua is, I've already made a commitment to you. And if you make a commitment back to me, I'm the Lord, your God. And I'm going to go with you wherever you go. About a year ago, I introduced this formula. I plus God equals enough. We're going to put it up on the screen. And where you see the blank, I want you to fill, fill it in with your name. And let's say it out loud together. Hear me say, Herman plus God equals enough. Some of you are trying to figure out, how am I going to make it through this pandemic? Do I have enough? Am I enough? Well, the Bible answers that question clearly. You know, David, when the prophet came to David's house to select the next king of Israel, David was so insignificant that his father forgot that he was out there taking care of the sheep. But David knew that David plus God equaled enough, and David became with God the greatest king in Israel's history. Deborah lived during a time when women were simply measured by how pretty they are as well as what kind of property they could be. But Deborah knew that Deborah plus God equaled enough and she became the first female general of Israel's army. Esther lived during a time when her people's life uh, was put on the line and they were about to be wiped out. But she had access to power and she had to decide, will I speak truth to power and risk my own life? And after time of prayer and fasting, she concluded, you know what? Esther plus God equals enough. And I can still hear her words revibrating back. If I perish, I perish. And she spoke truth to power and liberation came to her people. This is why Jesus Christ is born among the poor and among the marginalized, placed in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes as an everlasting reminder that Jesus plus you equals enough. Here's another way of saying it. With Christ, all things is possible. I can do everything through Jesus who strengthens me. Let's pray. God, I give you thanks and praise for those that are listening. Some of them are in desperate need for hope in the midst of despair. Some are in desperate need for strength in the midst of feeling worn down and beaten down. Some may be sick and they need you to touch them with healing. Some are simply asking the question, how do I take a step forward to secure my life in the hands of your son, Jesus? God, I pray for deliverance and healing and salvation. I pray that you'd raise up hope, speak boldness into the lives of those who are listening, resilience and strength and courage. And for those who want to take a step, God, I just pray that you'll you, you bless them in the next few seconds as, they, as I invite them to take a step towards you. Give them the courage to say yes. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right. Now, if you're watching us by on our website, there's a connection card there. Pastor Tilden told you about it. Or you can go into our app. Uh, there's a connection card in our app. I want you to go down to the next step. And here's the deal. There's nothing magical about this. I just believe this is truth. If you want to secure your future, I want to invite you to just say yes to the one who died and rose from the dead and who reaches his hands of love out to you right now. All you have to simply say, you just repeat this me, you just say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you in life and death. I invite you to be the, the absolute authority over my life. And trust. And he's got you. I began to figure out how to walk with him. There are some other next steps that you can take uh, by following the card at the, very, at the response to the, to the message. Uh, I just simply want you to write, I plus God equals enough. Here's what scripture says. If we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died, that he rose from the dead, that we are safe. It uses the word safe, but it's safe. I just want to invite you to have made that confession today. And uh, let's move forward. Strong and courageous in Jesus' name. I'll see you next week. God bless. Hey guys, I just want to remind you that Easter is coming and I'm going to need your help to help us reach as many people as possible, inviting them to be a part of our Easter broadcast. Here's the deal. So many people are in desperate need of hope. Folk who've lost their jobs, people who are concerned about whether or not they're going to have enough food for tomorrow, those who are dealing with uh, the possibility of illness, etc., and the list goes on and on. There is ultimate hope in Jesus. And so, please, use our app, use the information on our website, go to our Facebook page. There's an invitation there that you can send out. Let's invite people to come and hear and be blessed by all that's going to happen on the broadcast and hear word of hope. Thank you and God bless you.